BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Mark Thicken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Thicken Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit Ford Lincoln Charlotte com today for your next vehicle selection service appointment or collision need today's guest mike a second time guest on the show he was with us in may of last year longtime friend too he's a veteran motorsports executive who is currently the general manager at tony stewart's eldora speedway in rossburg ohio he spent 23 years with speedway motorsports as executive vp and general manager of new hampshire motor speedway and senior vp of events and marketing in Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, they recently crowned racing's newest millionaire with the running of the Eldora Million, and he's the brain trust behind the whole thing and more. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Gappins joins us. Jerry, welcome to the show. Say hi to Mike Wallace. 
Hi, Mike Wallace, and I'm uh, glad you guys. So it's my second appearance. Who who holds the record for the most appearances on? on well, the I, th show? I think you're tied. We've had uh, Mike's brother Kenny Wallace has been on twice. Maybe okay. maybe three times, so he might be. Yeah. But I know he's been on at least twice. What, what's yeah. right, we're really good about it, Jerry, is that we have very, very talented guests. And so to get even ask a second time is a big deal. Yeah. You know what? Do you I know do. why? Because our viewing audience is so great. Jeff, tell Jerry how big our viewing audience well, is. Well, actually, if if you're viewing us, you're our probably just staring at your computer or cellular device. Listening audience. <laughs> Let me rephrase yeah. that. Listening audience. Listening on the the whole world is listening, Mike. Jerry, the whole world is listening. Don't the whole be, world. Don't be nervous. So that's uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So we appreciate you being back on, Jerry. And uh, you know, we've been a long time friends and uh, known each other, but. I, I had to get you back on, and the reason is not to find anything more out, more about Jerry Gappins, but we will most likely through this hour, is that the racetrack that you promote, Eldora, it is, uh, its name just does not disappear. It, it won't fall by the wayside. It won't, throughout a race year, it won't be forgotten. It always is something new, and now a... Uh, you know, last year was a million-dollar race, another million-dollar race this year, then the King's Royal, all these famous races that your your track has. How do you guys – and we're going to break this down in segments, but I'm going to start it really easy. How do you guys keep doing this? What allows you to take a racetrack that's – last time I checked, and the only, only time I was there was the prelude to the dream 20 years ago, is located out in the middle of somewhere and nowhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, help me just kind of, I guess I'm asking for a business education with not the details, that the race fans can, because they're supportive of your facility and you make it supportive. And I want to know what you keep doing to make it for them to support. Why do they want to keep coming to Rossburg, Ohio? Well, I think uh, it's a, uh... I guess it's a, it's a great question, but I think Earl Baldus, who, who uh, built the track back in 1954, um, you know, he came in and, and uh, he created some events. Uh, uh, he was he was really, truly uh, a promoter by its definition. You know, there's a lot of race organizers out there, but Earl was a promoter and, and he knew money talked. And so he was the first one to really put up uh, big money paydays. I mean, the world 100, you know, you use that name world 100. Well, just like Bruton Smith used world 600. He wanted one, something bigger than a 500 mile race. And then world is all encompassing. Just like you said, we're at a worldwide audience here today. Uh, but, um, but I, uh, I think Earl is responsible for the foundation of that, of that mystique of seeing drivers race for big money on a, on a half mile dirt track. And, uh, uh, you know, through the years, I mean, obviously Indy this year paid like 3.6 million to win. Um, but you know, NASCAR before the franchising, they had uh, big purses and, and uh, Daytona and the brickyard stuff would pay, uh, maybe over that threshold. Now that has changed, you know, with franchise money coming in, they get more money up front and the purses aren't quite as lucrative on, on, on the top end. In fact, the Daytona 500, um, uh, they kind of put that together with the, the Daytona 500 by itself doesn't pay a million to win anymore. It's, uh, it kind of combined that in the, in the duels, but, uh, so we were able, you know, a few weeks ago to have the Eldora million for sprint cars and, and we paid a million, $2,023 to the winner. And that's second uh, highest uh, winning payoff only to the Indy 500. 
but uh, the real stat there that I just had checked on before we came on was uh, that was the the King's Royal, which paid one hundred seventy five thousand a couple of days after the uh, million. The King's Royal was the fiftieth event at Eldora that paid a hundred thousand or more to win. So you got that kind of history of of uh, six figure payouts to a winner. Uh, it kind of puts you on the map as uh, as a uh, as a big event venue. So, so to be able to keep doing that, and I, I think it's wonderful. I mean, you know, as, as a guy that grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, racing every short track there was in the Midwest and, and dreaming about places. I remember hearing about the World 100, Jeff. It was like, I'm all the way over here in Missouri, and yeah. Ohio's here. It's not too far away, but I'm not good enough to go there, you know, type thing. And then uh, it just keeps producing events. And uh, what is it just there's got to be more than just the money then the money is a big thing and I, i've listened to numerous dirt racers talk literally over the past month or since you know last year we had jonathan davenport on after he, he you yeah. know he won a million and uh if if that name millionaire or a million dollar winner del door hasn't regenerated interest in him personally over a year nothing has because you know he's become the million dollar dirt racer yeah, they call him the Million Dollar Man. Yeah, and Donnie Moran was the first one back, uh, I think, in 2003 or, or so uh, when Earl uh, did that. And then uh, Tony Stewart, you know, picked it back up. Tony bought the track and then I think started, uh, he bought it in 2005, started operating in 2006. And uh, as you know, Tony, I, I, th I think the whole part of it is the atmosphere here, too. You, you, like you said, it's big money. Uh, but when you, you stuff, uh, you know, we have 17,000 permanent seats and then we got the grass hillside seating and they say you can put close to 30,000 in. When you get that many people in a place, all of a sudden the atmosphere is really jacked up. And when you put the kind of money you do on the line, they know, uh, uh, the drivers are are, are getting uh, pretty serious about it. As as Humpy Wheeler used to say, it's like throwing a, a T-bone out to a pack of dogs. You know, they're going to go for it and, and go for it hard. So, but but what you try to what Earl I think started and, and Tony's done it uh, since is is create an atmosphere. I mean, you you, you you've got the. Uh, we try to do like the other night we did uh, jousting before the Kings Royal. We had a company from Michigan come down on horses. It's the Kings Royals, the 40th anniversary of it. Thought we'd do uh, jousting. Uh, uh, we did driver intros on the, for the million, have them coming out of the facade of a, a bank of Eldora and, and coming out in, and uh, of a vault that had stacks of gold in it and, uh, and just try, try to create an atmosphere. And the, I guess the whole thing about big event promoting is uh, you try to give people something that they don't see, in a normal day-to-day -day life, you know, it, it, it makes it special. And, and, uh, and so I think that's one of the things through the 70 seasons that Eldora has been running. Um, I think that's the thing that stands out is, uh, the atmosphere, the money, um, the caliber of drivers that come in here, you're seeing the best of the best. And, and, uh, and I know the fans appreciate it. Uh, this past week, or, or for the million dollar week, we had fans from 46 States and five foreign countries come in. Uh, to this, and it truly is a place like uh, the Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come because it's literally around, surrounded by cornfields. It's Dark County, Ohio. Uh, we become the largest populated city in the in the county, and uh, during our our major races, so it's uh, it's truly a destination for race fans from around the world. Well, here's the million dollar question, though, and I think Mike was was asking this earlier. Where does the money come from? I mean, do you generate that through uh, sponsors and because you're not going to uh, just the grandstand alone is not going to pay 
right? No, the, 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 the grandstands, uh, you, you got your revenue, your gate revenues between grandstands and pit passes and entry fees. And then you got, uh, and, and another great partner uh, on the million was, uh, was flow sports with the, with the streaming and they pay a, a rights fee to, uh, to put that out because they're trying to sell su- uh, subscriptions and uh, get people, you know, they've been really good with uh, USAC, uh, United States Auto Club here the last few years, but uh, but they're really noted for late model um, racing and, and having different uh, major events on. And uh, they, they've never done a major sprint car race. So uh, they came in and, and, uh, and paid a rights fee there. And then um, we sell a lot of those $2 beers and the concessions, uh, do really well here. And then there, there is sponsorship money and, uh, vendors and, um, the people that come in and sell t- t-shirts, you get commissions off of that. So, uh, the whole revenue package, uh, uh, adds up and, and, uh, and it made it up and I got to give Tony Stewart credit. He, he stuck his neck out because Earl did a, um, a race that it was called the Mopar million. It was a million dollar total purse. It paid, it was for non-wing sprint cars and it paid 200,000 to win. And, uh, and his family tells me that he actually didn't, didn't cover the, um, the purse on that one. He, you know, it came up a little shy. And so maybe that's one of the reasons that, that uh, sprint car racing hadn't done one, but with a million to win and, and it was almost $1.4 million in, in payout that night. And the whole week, uh, those four days was two point, you know, right at 2 million, just a little bit over. Um, but it was kind of, you know, Tony went ahead. He, he's got a sprint car background, open wheel background, as most people know, uh, uh, the United States Auto Club, the triple crown winner with their three open wheel divisions, uh, uh, got an uh, Indy Racing League when Tony George started that championship. So Tony comes from an open wheel. He went to NASCAR to make a good living. I mean, that's where the money was back when he was coming up through there. Um, uh, otherwise, he'd probably be a multi-time Indy 500 winner if he had stayed in that discipline. But there just wasn't uh, the same money um, as there was NASCAR. So when he bought the track, I mean, he continued a lot of those same traditions Earl had, and then he's, he's tried to build on, he's put money back in the facility for uh, fan amenities, but he's the one that stuck his neck out and, and put it up. And he was really nervous about it. He really, truly was, he, uh, he you know, he was here and he, he talked to me about it. We came, we brought him in a week before to do some media opportunities and, and, um, and he knew um, that he, he'd stuck his neck out a little bit, but uh, I called him on Friday and said, the good news is, uh, you don't have to go get a real job yet. We we covered the, <laughs> we covered everything. So. Well, that, and two dollar beers. You gotta like that. Yeah, yeah. Now, Jerry, tell Jeff. I and I'm pretty sure I've heard the story right. I mean, as big as those races are, uh, as big as Eldor is, but it's still a weekly type of racetrack. I mean, the concession stand rates are pretty reasonable there still, aren't they? Sounds yeah, like you it. got the two dollar beer, and uh, and then uh, the, 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 you know. The most expensive thing on the menu, I think, is $5, you know, for a chicken sandwich or whatever. But we've got pizza burgers. They're like 4 bucks. Uh, I mean, chicken strips are $3. I mean, it's when you look at professional sports venues or even going to a movie, you think about concessions at a movie theater. Um, we're, we are really priced. Uh, and and I think it pays off because people come and they, they, they buy the food from the concessions. And it's a good quality food, but it's uh, it, it doesn't break the bank. Uh, it, it makes it affordable for fans to come in and tony's very conscious of that as well and i'm just asking you and i'm kind of jumping right here before the end of the break the name tony stewart does that make things at eldora racetrack easier to sell and to do or is you still got to get out there and push hard for everything i I think it makes it easier in a sense that 
because of his legend and and uh, and respect that he has in the industry, it's like when you do, do a media opportunity like we did, it's going to get media to to plug in because he's he's active in so many different disciplines of of uh, of motorsports with uh, owning a NASCAR Cup team. He owns uh, you know Eldora. He owns a drag racing team. He owns a top notch sprint car team that runs on the World of Outlaws. So he's got the credibility. So it does help from that standpoint. But you still got to roll up your sleeves and promote. And people don't you know people think Tony's wealthy and he just throws money at stuff and that's that's not the case he he pays attention to details he's got good ideas and uh and then he lets the he lets his staff and everybody that works for him he gives them latitude to to execute the plan and and bounce a plan off of him and if he sees a place where it needs tweaked um he'll 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 let you know about it but uh but he's he. It does help to have Tony Stewart's uh, name attached to the thing, no doubt in my mind. Uh, but uh, but it's it's not as easy as everybody thinks. They just think, oh, Tony's a wealthy guy and he can just take uh, his checkbook out, write a check for two million, and pay it off and uh, to the competitors that week and go on down the road. No, he, uh, as Bruton Smith used to remind me when I ran New Hampshire, and Tony would echo that here. We are a for-profit company. He's not doing it just for fun. So <laughs> so we. So we try. We do want to make money at it as well, but we uh, we want to put on a great show for the fans. And he's very conscious of that. Um, he he really loves race fans. I mean, it's made his career. And so he he puts back a lot into the track with improvements. This year, we added a seven hundred thousand dollar video board system um, that's um, probably better than uh, than all the two or three uh, cup tracks, but certainly the best thing that's going in in any dirt track uh, that uh, that's uh, in place around the world. Let's take a time out right here, and I want to remind everybody that we, however, are a nonprofit organization. We're talking to Jerry Gaffins. He's the general manager at Eldora Speedway. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or a collision need. Once again, Jerry Gappin's on the line. Here's Mike Wallace. Well, Jerry, you know, I think I can just keep asking questions, but I'm going to compliment your fans first. And then I'm going to ask you if this is a true or false statement of that came from the Sprint Car Million race, the million, that I was really, really impressed with after the race. They interviewed, uh, I believe, his third place finisher, Brad Sweet. They call him the big cat. 
And, yeah. Uh, who, who, by the way, they call him the big cat, and he's actually the smallest driver in the field. <laughs> yeah, you know why do why do they do that? I you know I used to get. I, I, I still don't know. I asked that question during the week. I said, "Why do they call him the big cat?" And I, and I never got an answer from somebody. Haven't, I don't know, that's, haven't you ever met a guy that's like six foot eight and his nickname is Tiny? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's crazy? That so I raced against Brad in the Bush series or the Xfinity series. He he yeah. tried his his hand at that for a period of time and. Then, if you want to say it, went full-time sprint car racing. He drives for Casey Kane. Uh, I think, yep. if I'm right, Kyle Larson is his brother-in-law, even. Oh, no kidding. You know? yeah. So, yeah. But he, they, he, he made a nice compliment after the race that the Eldora fans agreed. And I'm gonna, and this is probably his terminology. It's not that the fans said, oh, yeah, we're good, ready to But they were okay with paying a little bit higher ticket price to experience the million-dollar sprint car race. Would you say that is a, a right statement out of him? He was he was complimentary in the way he was saying it, that the sprint car fans wanted to see a big race. They didn't mind paying a higher ticket price. No, I I, I certainly agree with that. I think uh, that's fair. Uh, the, the reserve ticket price was $80 uh, for Thursday night, and then the King's Royal uh, was $50. And then the other nights were... Uh, you know, 30 and $35. So uh, we, the pre prelim nights, we tried to make uh, pretty affordable, but I think, I think people kind of use it as a vacation. You can camp here all week for, uh, for $80. And uh, as we talked about the cheap concessions, but I think the fans there, and, and I think Earl, that goes back to Earl too. He, he had to charge more money when he did those big uh, shows to kind of introduce them to the short track world. And people were willing to pay the bigger, the bigger dollars. And, you know, I kind of equate it to the circle circus, you know, if you're, uh, there's different things you can go watch or whatever, but you, you don't mind paying a little bit more for something you've never seen before, so to speak. And, you know, whether it's the lion tamer or, or uh, the high wire act, it's defying death every step or whatever, you know, uh, you're, you, you, you'll go into that tent and pay a couple bucks more or something. And so I think there's a, there's a factor with fans. It goes back to what I said earlier. I, I think they, uh, you know, we, they want to, they're they're open to if they feel like the the money's being put back in the facility, uh, which which Tony does, and uh, and the on track product is good, and you're seeing the best drivers in the world in, in sprint car racing, um, then they seem to be okay uh, with doing that, and uh, and that's certainly been the case here. We had we had a the the largest crowd in history of Eldora on Saturday night for the Kings Royal, just nipped the uh, uh, the million on a Thursday. And uh, and the prelim nights were all real strong too. So it was a big four nights where uh, a lot of fans uh, were up there. And I think, and you know that too, Mike. You you know what it's like, uh, even at some of the NASCAR races you went to, and you went through uh, the healthy time of NASCAR where every race was a sellout. To where after 2008, it got kind of scratchy and and uh, iffy at some places, and um, the facilities had overbuilt, and um, there were empty seats at a lot of events. But as a driver and, and even as a fan, I think you you feel like you're part of something when the place is full, you know, it, mm -hmm. it kind of gets you pumped up a little more. And, and, um, I know at Daytona one time I got to ride around with you in the intro cars, you know, the pace cars with the driver intros. And it was kind of fun for me uh, as a guy that was on the promotional side of things to drive around and see those fans and having this. And, and like with you, they were waving at you from the infield. They had banners, the outside crowd, you know, the big grandstands were waving and they paid different money to come in, but they were there having a good time. And, that, and that's what, I tell most people, I said, what we do here, we just, and Humpy Wheeler taught me this. He, he said, you know, 
when you come to a race or anything that you really like uh, that's that's entertainment you're just trying to put a little technicolor in everybody's uh, daily lives you know so when they come to eldora for example uh, for these four days that we just had they're you know you don't have to worry about the mortgage the 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 utility bills, the, uh, all the stress that you have, you forget about that for the, for the week. And you're here to watch something that's uh, spectacular in your mind. It's something that most of us can't do. Most of us can't drive a sprint car around Eldora Speedway at 130 miles an hour and pass people and everything. So I think, I, I think when you think about, um, the experience, uh, that factors in, I mean, we all wish we could, and, we've, and maybe there's some of us that think we could do that, but the fact is you can't just like, um, there, you were part of a lead pe- number of people that could, could drive a, a stock car, you know, uh, that fast around a track and, and, and you did it and you put on, you know, it was a race, but it was also entertainment for the fans. And so, uh, that's never been lost on me between working for Bruton and Humpy and now Tony, and even the short track racing where, where I did at gas city as a promoter. Um, I, I never lost sight of the, the entertainment value of it and trying to, um, deliver more than than what you promise uh, and i think uh, you were a businessman too before you were known as a race car driver and and i know that you did a good job with that with your family business so so explain to me how do you do you run let's just say gas city where you were at before before you came to eldora you got you position yourself to come to a bigger better brandier racetrack i'll call it Right. Do you? Yeah, run, I was never going to run a million dollar win race at Gas City. Yeah, no, <laughs> twenty five hundred seats. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's what that's what I'm meaning there. You know, that's. Uh, yeah. it, but do you do you run the race or the show or the event different from the little low buck Saturday night racetrack to an Eldora, or do you? There, 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 there are some parts of it you do, like uh, for our family nights where we charge $10 for admission and free, the kids are free, we do a gigantic fireworks show. And like I bring in a money machine where you put the money in that blows around and I put kids in there and they take the money out. And, uh, and uh, you know, this uh, coming up on August 5th, we got another one. We're going to throw Frisbees. And I would do that kind of stuff at, at Gas City. But at a, I, I say for Eldora, I, I do more of what I did for Speedway Motorsports, where you're, you're paying attention to the overall show and, and you can you can you can do more things uh, on, a, on a facade. But but a lot of the basics and the principles are the same. You know, it's just uh, it's just a bigger stage at Eldora than what it was at Gas City. Um, for example, Indiana USAC's got its annual Indiana Sprint Week, and I used to try to really pump it up because we'd it'd be one of our sellouts that we'd have and, and people would come from around the country and motorhomes and and it's seven nights of, or seven nights of racing in eight days or something like that and uh and i would try to you know bring a special national anthem singer in uh, uh, a lady that could sing back home again in indiana so some of those same principles i i did but as i said here it's just a, a much larger stage so you try to you try to step it up and um and and uh, kind of accommodate the crowd that you have and and you're playing before you know 25 30,000 as opposed to um um uh, to you know three or four thousand that you'd have a gas city so talk about your promotions team how many people do you do you have on your team uh that come up with these great ideas for pre-race shows etc well you know that's a great question and that's one of the great things about tony runs a pretty lean um in his businesses, uh, there are a lot of people that multitask. So we have eight, we only have eight full-time people at Eldora. And then we bring in 
part-time people, you know, to help execute the events, such as ticket takers and ushers and uh, track prep and uh, all the different things that go on. Um, but uh, it's my, you know, I'm very hands-on with that because that's what my background is. And then I've got two uh, two other guys that, uh, that handle marketing and our social media is a real big part of our marketing effort we got an ad agency that we use to uh to help do that and then our ticket manager bryce he, he does a good job with uh uh with with that aspect of of renewals and, and getting in there but it's it's not a it's not it's not a big team you know we have a staff meeting we we all sit around one small mm-hmm. conference table in a small room here in a at a double wide modular ha- uh, office building. So that's uh, that's the that's the it's not uh, it's not the seven story Smith Tower that uh, that was uh, at Charlotte, you know. So you're telling me it's the seven step double wide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're in a broom closet. Ramp in, so I wouldn't have to do steps. Yeah. yeah. There you go. The one thing I've always wanted to know, Jerry, I've never asked anyone. Does Eldora run a weekly show? Do you run every Saturday night, Friday night, anything like that? No, we don't. And part of the reason for that is, and we get asked that a lot. There are a lot of fans in Indiana, Ohio, and, and surrounding areas. Um, they they want to see weekly racing here but because they like the facility. But the truth is that the overhead is very high here. I mean, we, we have first-class uh, you know, emergency response teams. you you got the sheriff's department that comes in and, and provides uh, patrol. And, and to try to do a weekly show uh, is just not financially feasible. We do those family nights. We run about – what I consider uh, six, maybe, maybe I guess about six, seven, what I would call equivalent to a weekly show where you got late models, uh, modifieds and, and uh, street stocks, or we'll do 360 sprints and street stocks and modifieds. And, uh, and we pay out, you know, good, good money for those, but we don't do them every week. And, and there's two reasons. One, as I said, our overhead of trying to, uh, to do a smaller event. And then secondly, the aspect of it is um, we don't want to step on other area short tracks that run Friday, Saturday nights in, in our area. How many events, and you may know off the top of your head, maybe you don't, how many weeks or events a year does Eldora put on? We we have 23 event nights this year, and so that that's total nights. So like we just did four the other night, and then we've got a couple of uh, you know three day shows that we'll do, and then a couple of uh, uh, two night deals, and then uh, as I said, probably six or seven one night one night events. So when I was talking to Tony the other day, he then he was true when he said you got a pretty cushy job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I work 23 days a year. Yeah. yeah. He mentioned it. He says he doesn't work a month a year. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just so, so payroll doesn't hear about that, I'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got a big event coming up uh, August 10th. The SRX series is coming, right? We do, yeah, and and Tony here again. He's part of that. He's uh, he's got some equity in that from a standpoint of of driving in it, and 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 he worked with Ray uh, Everham and uh, and a, a group of guys, uh, George Pine, that used to be with NASCAR. They created that, and it's uh, on ESPN. So they they this year they kind of revitalized Thursday Night Thunder. And uh, so that's what made Thursday Night Thunder on ESPN kind of made Jeff Gordon, Tony, uh, Ryan Newman, a lot of those guys famous because uh, people sit at home on a weeknight and they get to watch them from Indianapolis Raceway Park. And uh, so now SRX, which are basically it's kind of the modern day uh, international race of champions. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching. I've watched the first two events. First one got unlucky with weather, but last week was pretty good. But that should be, and and it is uh, nationally televised on ESPN, so that should get you guys a ton of exposure, right? 
No, it does. We hosted it uh, two years ago, and uh, and the game plan was to try to take that to different tracks every year. And then Tony thought maybe the fifth year take ten of the best or six of the best tracks and and maybe revisit. And, and but uh, because of the way they tried to work the logistics out with travel, uh, they put us back on the schedule sooner than what uh, what Tony had originally anticipated. Uh, but they went to Stafford. They went back to back. Uh, they're supposed to go up the Thunder Road, which Mike's very familiar up in Vermont. The, the great Ken Squire owned that track and operated it on Thursday nights for many years. And, and I guess with the Canadian wildfires and stuff, there was a state of uh, Vermont uh, butts right up to Canada there. And so they were trying to limit outdoor activities. So they, they went back to Stafford in Connecticut and then they'll do Thunder Road, I understand, in, in 2024. But but we'll be the first uh, dirt track race uh, uh, with it, which is really cool about that series. It's kind of like the modern day IROC, but but they do run a couple of races on dirt and Eldora will be the first one on that. And to see some of these IndyCar drivers, NASCAR drivers, we even got Ron Caps from the NHRA coming. And uh, so I talked to Tony about the schedule and I said, oh, you know, those guys are professionals. They don't need two hours of practice. And uh, he said, oh, there are a few of them like Caps will. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you're going around a, a half mile uh, dirt track as opposed to a straight line uh, uh, speed of 300 miles an hour. And you don't have to worry about turning. Um, so, but we're, we're looking forward to that. We got the family night on August 5th and then we turn around and do that event on Thursday, August 10th. And, uh, and then, um, about a month later, you're looking at the, 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 the world 100, which is like the granddaddy of all late model races. Yeah, it's amazing. So in regards to, and what we try to do on our show all the time is it's as much as fun as educational. Our race fans have said, Teach us what you can teach us. You know, we'd like to know as much what's going on. So when you do an SRX race and you can answer the question, say you can't comment on it, don't want to give an opinion, is that a, a race that you put on that Jerry Gappins goes to work to make sure there's people in the grandstands? Or is that a, a type of race where you've provided a racetrack to allow no, uh, SRX to yeah. use? No, it's a it's an outdoor promoted event. Yeah, so our team works on it to sell tickets because we have to pay a, a an event fee to SRX. That's part of the way they make money, and um, and so they they charge us an event fee, and then you know we 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 buy advertising and and all the things you do to get ready for an event, and we've got overhead on it, so we promote it and, and try to uh, you know put people uh, in the, in the seats. Uh, the, the unique thing for us, um, is it, we're kind of our own worst enemy because you look at the Kings, you, you have a million to win raise and the Kings Royal 175,000. And we had the dream earlier that paid 129,000. Um, and people travel from all around the country and they stay in, and you do the weekends, but the SRX race, they don't really release the purse. I don't know what their agreements are with drivers. I mean, they probably compensate them for coming and, and doing it, but you got ESPN television live, but, uh, uh, but I, the, so it's a, it's a here, here at Eldora, you know, from a revenue standpoint, it's, it's down to, it's a, it's a, it's down to six or seventh probably is one of our, what you consider a larger event, uh, from a revenue standpoint, but at the same time, from a notoriety standpoint, it's right up the top because you've got world-class drivers, people that won Indy 500, Daytona 500 and, uh, NHRA championships. They're coming in and competing. You should have Mike Wallace in that show. I'm just saying. And we're talking to Jerry yes. Gappins. He's the general manager at Eldora Speedway. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media.
Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You are listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. We're talking to Jerry Gappins. And once again, here's Mike Wallace. I have a question for Jerry Gappins, the race fan. Nothing to do with race promoter, nothing to do with Eldora. So you got this group of multi-talented, multi-dimensional race car drivers coming in for the SRS X-Ray shortly. Right. Who, who do you like out of the group? Who do you think is going to be good? Now, take your owner, Tony Stewart, out of it. He's always a... No matter, no matter where he goes, Tony's good, right? There's guys that just run good. And that would and, be the politically correct answer, but we want the real yeah, answer. No, yeah. I'm just yeah, you know, since you guys it, have since you guys have uncovered, I only work 23 days a year for him. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah well, he did say a month. He said yeah, yeah. he gave you at least a month, so 23 yeah. days. So, uh, I mean, is there? Uh, um, you know, I um, like uh, you know, I like seeing different people win, but I, I think. Uh, uh, I don't know that I have a clear cut favorite. I would, uh, I kind of, I like the different personalities and, and everything, but, uh, I, um, you know, like, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I can't remember if Kenny's one of our 12 drivers here or not, but you know, I, I like Kenny. He raced at the uh, gas city. He races everywhere across the country. I, I probably would have, uh, rooted for, uh, for him, but a guy, you know, a guy like Ryan Newman, I knew him from, you know, working NASCAR and, and he's kind of doing this series and going for the championship. And he's not uh, what you'd consider an active driver right now on the, uh, uh, with NASCAR and stuff. I'd like to see him do well, but, uh, but I, yeah, for me personally, I'd like to see how Ron caps does, you know, with it uh, here and, and run it on dirt. So Austin Dillon's one of our drivers coming. He's really good because he had a, a dirt late model background as part of his training, moving up through the ranks and, uh, he'll be tough to beat here, I think. And, uh, so I just, uh, I kind of, as a fan, I just like to, you know, you want to see passing and, and, a, and an entertaining show. And I, I think the dirt uh, kind of uh, allows that uh, to happen a little easier in some of the asphalt tracks they run on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I just wonder, you know, we watched those races, I think since it's once a Thursday night, <clears throat> excuse me, went back to Thursday nights. It's got that old uh, Thursday night thunder flare to it, you know, at least everybody's they watching. Did, yeah. And, you know, hopefully yeah. the viewing audience is bigger and better than what it's been. And it. The show becomes a success. It's a race, but it is a show. So, it's Mike, a, what's the answer? Is Kenny racing at Eldora? I do not believe so. I think that his next race is uh, he runs at Lucas Oil, the Wheatland, at the end. Of, yeah. It's just a at the know, last race. Is, you got to remember, yeah. it's just a six race series. So, right. so they've already yeah. run two of them. Right. right, and he he had some mechanical difficulties uh, last Thursday. So uh, said I think he only signed up for two races based on his schedule. So I think you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have to watch, uh, and most everybody watches Kenny's uh, YouTube videos or clips somewhere. He's got a great social media following, and he just wanted to let everybody know, as he says, as the Herminator does, <laughs> is that the damn. Gas pedal come unscrewed at Stafford. That's what happened to him. Yeah, it, it come unscrewed and fell off on him. And hey, damn Kenny Wallace, he can't drive. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, he says, I kept getting slower and couldn't figure out what was going on. He says, I know I got more talent than this. He says, then the gas pedal just fell off on the ground and floorboard. So uh, all night long, his throttle assembly was coming loose. And but. Uh, 
I don't know. You'll have to. One of my favorite Kenny stories is when you guys were kids, and you can pick up the story and tell it, Mike. But you, you guys were traveling the race, and you were in two vi- different vehicles. You had the box van that had the race car behind it with you and Rusty, and then there was a, a second car, and you guys stopped at a truck stop for fuel and for food. And Kenny wasn't very old, I don't think, and uh, you guys inadvertently left him behind, right? <laughs> <They couldn't> even... <laughs> so I, it's funny you say that, Jerry, because I think just really our close friends know that story. And other people hear the the ends of it. So you're being a close friend, you know that. And so I got a phone call, what, two months ago. The Kyle Petty charity ride was going on. And there was a friend of mine that was on the ride, three or four of them. And they go, look, uh, there's going to be a, a t- tomorrow night, Kenny Schrader, Kyle Petty, and Kenny Wallace are doing a uh, fireside chat. <laughs> he said, man, I, I got to win the best question type you know, award of what what was Kenny Wallace's strangest or the Wallace family's strangest deal. And uh, it was that. It was that event yeah. that took yeah. place. And that was uh, every, and most everybody's heard it, but I'll recap it quickly since Jerry brought it up. Fort Smith, Arkansas. Jeff, you'll love this. Fort Smith, Arkansas. <laughs> and Kenny was a little boy. I mean, he was a little kid. Rusty was racing. We were all following Rusty. We were the little sheep dogs following him around. And it was on a Sunday morning, and we stopped at uh, – let's just say golden corral and we got this old bread box truck that hauls rusty's car then we just had a car because you didn't have enough room and everybody was doing everything for nothing you just wanted to be part of the deal so we all go in to eat breakfast come back out everybody hops into vehicles we're in fort smith arkansas right that's 200 (laughs) some miles 300 miles from st louis we're heading home because we're trying to get back to st louis to race lake hill speedway that night Bam, we're sailing up, and we did some silly-ass crap back in the day and <laughs> driving back and forth, and all of a sudden, we're in through Arkansas almost to Missouri, and it's like the Dukes of Hazard, you know, cannonball run story here. The Arkansas State Trooper goes sailing past us, look in the mirror. He's hightailing, does a U-turn down through the medium, back up, cars bouncing, here he comes. And we're like, oh, crap. You know, <laughs> I'm in the car, everybody, you know, the other guys are in the truck, and I'm thinking, what do we, we, we're just running along the speed limit here finally, you know. <laughs> Lights were only pull, get pulled over, and it's, <clears throat> walks up to the car, puts on them, you know, them Arkansas guys, they got to get them real round, big old, cowboy beard sunglasses yeah <laughs> look at you go the joe biden kind of sunglasses. and you're waiting for it how about your driver's license where's kenny wallace where's kenny wallace he, he's in the truck up front i don't think so hold on <laughs> then the, the story from the front truck is he did the same thing gets one person out of each vehicle and he comes back brings everybody to the center he says okay boys here's your problem kenny wallace isn't in either one of your vehicles okay we got him on the ramp he had you'd left him at the golden corral in fort smith arkansas and he started walking home he thought but the ramp was going to florida <laughs> so one of the two of these vehicles needs to turn around and go back to fort smith arkansas to get kenny wallace now kenny's his little kid i mean he's a little kid so we we have the car and we go okay we'll meet you you guys go on we'll probably meet you in springfield not going to st louis so a kid that helped Larry Phillips, Chucky Meads, and I go, okay, well, and we hightail it back. And the cop was nice. He goes, now you can hurry if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so we hightail it back there, and we get him, and we end up going to the police station in Fort Smith, Arkansas, because that's where they got Herman at at the time. 
And we open the door, and he's crying. I mean, it's just <laughs> running down his eyes. And it's like, Herm, what's, what happened, buddy? What's wrong? And he's crying. He's big old crocodile tears. And he goes, I, I, I was going to the bathroom. <laughs> I, I wanted to pull the toilet paper off. And it kept getting stuck on the roll. And it would hardly, you know, I had to pull a piece at a time. And he says, by the time I walked out the door, I walked out in the parking lot. And you're all gone. <laughs> and we didn't have cell phones or anything back oh, at that time. Yeah, yeah. There no cell phones back nobody then. Called, nobody had a phone number. And he's like, well, what'd you do? He says, I started to walk home. He says, but the police pulled me over and says I was going to Florida. <laughs> and, of course, Kenny can tell this story like 9,000 times better than I can and way funnier and stretch it all out. But... Uh, well, what a story. What, that's a what classic. A, yeah. That, that, <laughs> and, and I think that's the classic story. Uh, Wallace family. Uh, hey, what's the greatest story you can remember? And especially when Kenny's involved in it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's amazing that your whole family's got great stories. But Kenny, you know, the, I remember when he was driving for Felix Sabatis and his, his uh, shop was back behind the Charlotte Motor Speedway in the, in the industrial park there. And, uh, I stopped in to see him one day, and, he, and there was an astronaut in there. A guy, literally, I forget the astronaut's name, but he'd flown the missions and everything. And so you never, you guys meet so many different people from so many different walks of life. But here he is. He says, "Hey, meet astronaut so and so, Thoreau or whatever." And, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, and so he, Kenny said, "I'll sit in my car." He got him down and sat in the car, and and, uh, and uh, I was like. Where else would I ever see an astronaut, you know, yeah. hanging out with your brother? There you go. <laughs> yeah, been very fortunate. I feel like I ran, raced some type of limited career because I don't have the stories that he has. Yeah, like he, he just got story after story after story. But uh, we all had great times. But getting back to the promotions Ed, and promote, do, do you have any particular racers? Uh, and you can be very open about this. Uh, do you have particular racers you like coming to your racetrack? Are there guys that are fun for you or fun for your fans, or is everybody kind of status quo anymore? No, I think uh, the fans, you know, they react differently. I mean, uh, uh, Bloomquist is kind of like Scott Bloomquist. He's kind of like what Dale Earnhardt was. The people seem to either love him or hate him, you know, and uh, and uh, Scott, you know, Scott's uh, battling some health issues and stuff now, and he's he's kind of obviously in the late season of uh, of his career, but he was probably one of the guys that put late model dirt track late model racing on the map. You talked about Larry Phillips; he was uh, really good there in the Midwest, but uh, uh, but he gets a reaction all the time. Uh, and Davenport now he's kind of the same kind of thing. You know, Earnhardt won so much; I think that's why he started getting booed. And, and the it seemed like the real you know the the blue collar workers really related to him and the whole. Canapolis and the Milltown, um, uh, and his dad was a, a hard-nosed guy, and and they related to that. Um, but he won, and so they they got tired of seeing him win. But then the people that were loyal loved him, and I think Davenport now that he had that season that he did last year, where he won almost uh, right around two million dollars, uh, and you'd be glad to know he he, he could afford to put an in-ground swimming pool in too with that. So he, <laughs> I know that's I don't know what he spent the money on, but he did put a pool in. But um, but I think, uh, you know, Davenport draws the experience, but those late model fans, um, they're, they're crazy about, uh, you know, different guys that Bobby Pierce likes to run up against the wall. And, and, uh, and I think fans are pretty appreciative of everybody. And then, uh, shots won the, you know, uh, Donnie won the, uh, the Kings Royal race and he got some booze because he's, he's won a lot of championships. He's won like 10 world of outlaw championships and, uh, 
at least that many Knoxville Nationals. And I think that was the fifth time or sixth time, I guess, he had won the Kings Royal. And I think fans, they, they remember Steve Kinzer, and he's starting to approach some of Steve's records that we thought would be unbroken. And so I don't know if that's why he gets some booze, but he got some cheers. He had been in a slump. But uh, Rico, uh, he's the, the most popular uh, with the sprint car set. When he goes out, everybody loves Rico. And, and Logan Schuhart, who won the, uh, the million, uh, the fans stood and applauded, and, and that was all 100% cheers. Uh, I think they were glad to see a sprint car guy win a million bucks, and he was very humble in victory lane and appreciative. And uh, and, and Brad Sweet's well-spoken. Brett Marks was third, but, man, he, I couldn't have scripted uh, a better post-race interview uh, from him if I'd done it myself because he was very complimentary about the whole um, the whole week and uh, and um, paying the money out and the great fans and you know we uh, we had some challenges during the week with uh, with some uh, with the track with uh, some rough spots and and then we had rain on Saturday so we started a little late but as, as you know rain at a dirt track you kind of can soften things up and you you get a track with some character instead of smooth uh, but he did not criticize one thing I mean he said hey tonight we were probably the third best car or second best car and that's how it turned out so. Um, and he's a part of that Pennsylvania posse and stuff. So, so the drivers all have some different personalities and they've got fan followings. And, and I think, uh, fans of dirt track racing, short track racing, they're very loyal to, to, to their drivers and they go to those t-shirt trailers and buy their shirts and, um, and their hats and, uh, they support them every way they can. Well, let's take a break and come back and finish up with, uh, why don't we do that? Yeah. We'll talk with Jerry some more about. Maybe some of the events that are forthcoming. Yeah, I think the there's Eldora some great things, Speedway. and just um, we can talk forever, but we can't talk forever because the world's not going to listen forever. But well, why don't you stop talking then? Okay, you're listening <laughs> to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. One more round with Jerry Gappins. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, as our international fans would like to know from around the world yeah you know it's uh jerry has the promotional side and that's what we're talking to you about about eldora how it's such a big event and talking about particular drivers that are you know popular for you and for the racetrack in the series how about series in general you, you guys are um you're you're like uh the controlling country or the president of, of racing i call it uh, it's not like it's like I don't see you conflicting with anyone ever. The mecca of motorsports. Yeah, and I think that's it. Is there any <laughs> organizations, any traveling groups, any anybody that's a thorn in your side that go, you know, if you guys would just follow the lead a little bit, we could all do better for each other. Is, is there anybody like that? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. I mean, uh, you know, the World of Outlaw Sprint Car Group, and they got the late models as well under their umbrella there, and they're based right down there, close to you guys in, in Concord. Um, you know, they, 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 the sprint car thing is drawing big crowds, and 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 it's a traveling show, and it's been in business since 1978, and it's got that branding to it. Um, and they're not a, uh, you know, they're a good partner from a standpoint of, uh, you know, we run a few, a handful of races a year with their sanction, and uh, they come in and and 
and we we sell tickets and stuff. But as far as the Thorn, I guess you know I even you know some people say, hey, such and such scheduled to they want to race on Tuesday before you open up on Wednesday. You know, does that bother you? And I'm like, well, no, because if I'm doing my job. Uh, I've, I've sold most of my tickets or we're still going to sell tickets. Uh, and, uh, if, uh, if they can see a race on their way, that's, that's fine. Or if it's the Tuesday after they'll say, Hey, they're piggybacking off the world 100 or the dream. Um, they'll, they'll ask me about that. Now I don't, I don't really, you know, Chris Economaki, who I worked for, for about 15 years, he, he, he had a great saying that I learned from, him. he said, mind your own business hard, just focus on what you're supposed to do. And, and, uh, and I, I, you know, I thought that was good advice. And I'll, I'll give you a little side story on that. The story was um, Chris, of course, worked for CBS Sports for many years as a as a pit announcer and a host. And uh, Neil Pilsen was the uh, was the president of CBS Sports. And then and, uh, and Brett Musburger was their star anchor announcer back at the time. And uh, and this guy came in and uh, it was in a meeting or something that he told uh, uh, he told the uh they said hey uh he said, i'd love to have your job you know you're uh, the president of cbs sports and you know he said and, and neil looked at him and said you don't want my job you want neil you want brett musburger's job he's the one and he makes like three times more money than i do and he just works weekends <laughs> so and uh and i think it was me going in and asking chris for a raise because somebody else made more money or something and he gave me that story and i, I shut my mouth and walked out and, and learned a lesson there so i try to do that from a business standpoint i mean you do have to pay attention to what's going on in the industry and i know one of the things that tony's really good at is like he, he i've heard him go to uh ump and dirt car with late models as far as rules he's, he's reached out to hoosier tire and said hey if you need to use our facility for a test uh to to try different rules or different things that's going to make the competition better and maybe save people money or whatever uh I'll offer my track to do that. He doesn't open it up for regular testing at all. So, uh, so we do try That's to. That's why when know, I called him, when I called him to test, he says, "Keep it a secret." But come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. I, I got you. Okay. I didn't think it was that big a deal. So I, it is a big deal. Oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I, I got a lot of calls before uh, the United States Auto Club. They were taking their uh, uh, Silver Crown stuff out to Belleville, and Belleville's uh, in Kansas. It's high banked, and they wanted to simulate a high bank deal. And, and so Eldora for most of these teams are based around the Indianapolis area. And I said, I, I said, we can't do it. And after about the eighth call, I'm like, I, I don't know. I should have had an open test. Kind of probably made some money on that one, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but we didn't. But I, I, I think uh, the, the whole mindset, Tony is really unique in a standpoint that he's, he's been a race car driver. He's a promoter. He's a, he's a team owner. Um, and, and he knows he's got all the, uh, he can look at it from three or four different angles. And between that, he can rationalize through things. And, and I think uh, he sees everybody's side of an argument. Uh, but at the end of the day, when he's made up his mind about something, he'll he'll let you know that, and uh, and then you move on to the next agenda item. But uh, but I, I I don't really there's nobody out there. Uh, I I don't really worry about that. I mean Knoxville's got a great uh, dirt track facility out there. They're famous for the Knoxville Nationals, and I think Eldora and Knoxville are the two premier uh, you know uh, dirt tracks in in the country um, uh, from a, on a national worldwide uh, uh, set. And then there are a lot of good well-run uh, short tracks throughout the the country and and uh and so but i as i said we try to put our schedule out and i don't really worry too much about comp i remember i was up in new hampshire and 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 uh, as the general manager and of course the red sox and the bruins and the uh, the celtics and the patriots were you know the big four 
And uh, in fact, they had a restaurant, a sports restaurant called Four. And and I went over and did press conferences. It was hard, hard to crack into that Boston media market because they, they were focused on on those four major uh, sports. And and I, I told them, I said, you know, my goal is that you change your restaurant name. I had a press conference there one day. I want you to change this to five, include NASCAR, you know, as, as a New Hampshire Motor Speedway is part of that. Uh, but I remember talking to Bruton Smith on the phone and I said, man, they just came out with the NFL schedule and the Patriots are are, are playing a home game against us. The NH, the, the NFL normally tries, I know in Charlotte, they try to do an away game or a bye game. So the Panthers weren't up against the October Charlotte race, you know, while I was there. And so I told Bruton, I said, yeah, they're going to have a home game the same day as our, our fall race. And he said, well, I feel bad for them. Here, in my mind, I'm thinking of an excuse in case I don't sell out or something. I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm up against the Patriots, and he 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 turned it completely around on me. Like, yeah, boy, I really feel bad for them. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did it turn out? W- was it a sellout? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, good. <laughs> so, and but you're also. You know, Humpy and Bruton taught me in Charlotte. You're always battling for the publicity, and the, and the, you want you want the if you can make front one uh, A on the on the local newspaper, the big local dailies back then. They of course they've fallen off uh, quite a bit, but you, you, you and certainly wanted the front of, of uh, sports uh, for your event. And if you're competing against the NFL's, a, a, they're they're a publicity machine, man. They've got it figured out with uh, spacing it out. Their business model is spaced out now the whole, the whole entire year. It's not just in season. It's it's the draft it's the combine it's it's everything you no, know and they're in the a, news almost every day it's a year only but the nfl is king man let's face it right yeah yeah it is having and, said uh, all that the, having said all that jerry you know the old rule is you're you're as good as your your latest promotion you just ran the eldora million two weeks ago what's next at eldora speedway well we're actually having discussions about that now because uh we're trying to debate do you you know there was talk about hey do you alternate the late model million and the and the sprint car million every other year that's an option or do you create another event um that's uh, that's different from that and uh i can't really get much more detail into it uh but uh, but we do have something in mind that, that we're looking at at uh maybe pursuing and if we do uh, we'll announce that you know probably in the fall and i think uh, it, it could be a winner as well well, you guys have definitely, the racetrack itself and then you and Tony uh, combined effort have sure put some winners together. So I'm sure whatever you pick, uh, the million is a cool name. Being a millionaire. Yeah. You know, yeah. is cool. I, I just said, it, it's got a money talks. It's got a lot of ring to it. it um, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say it certainly didn't as a race car driver because he was talented, but as a uh, kind of household name, the million made Jonathan Davenport over this year. You know, it did, I, yeah. I will say, and uh, well, Jerry, it, it's cool. I mean, everything you're doing uh, just keeps getting better, and uh, I, I wish you nothing but the best. If let me ask you something, I, here's here's Mike Wallace wanting to be a racetrack promoter. A promoter is listening to us that right now, somewhere around the country, around the world, maybe he's in Auckland, New Zealand. Right. I'll just use that for an Why'd example. You pick that one? I, Why Auckland? <laughs> if you want to know real reason, because I was reading something before I come up here about world road. Uh, what's the guy that won Chicago? Oh, yeah. SVJ that right. supercars yeah. and he, he's from his team's from Auckland, New Zealand or whatever it gotcha. was. And so okay. uh, talking about him coming <laughs> cup racing. <laughs> but what give me a. Uh, 
my little short track, what are five things that I need to focus on to be a success or at least to start to become a success to uh, have a good weekly show? I think uh, you, you, you got to really look at the promotion. I mean, how you put your marketing together, and that's changed in, through the years. Social media marketing is so much more cost-effective, and you can, uh, you know, geo-targeting and all these crazy terms that these younger people know better about than I do. Um, that's something that's new. In my early days, you know, we, we bought uh, print, radio, TV, um, and billboards and that kind of stuff, so that dynamics changed, but you really got to you got to go out and promote and try to get uh, you, the name of your track and and what you're doing out there to people and and where uh, they hear about it and they know about it. And then uh, the facilities themselves, I think, with some of these even minor league ballparks, you know, that's what I look at a short tracks more in competition with. Uh, a lot of these minor league ballparks are doing fun in game things with music and entertainment and stuff in between the innings and 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 i think our our industry they need to make it fun so a, a, a an eight-year-old boy comes with his mom and dad he wants to come back but the, the, hopefully the mom and dad do too because the family the whole family was entertained and they don't know the difference between mike wallace and jerry gappins as far as a race car driver is concerned but they went there at that venue and had a really good time and and the kids in the car on the way home want to come back to it. So, uh, and then I think the facility itself, you better have clean bathrooms and a tidy facility. And that's one of the things we got a lot of credit for at gas city was cleaning that up white paint. We used a lot of paint and, uh, and, uh, and flags and banners and stuff to dress it up and, and, and be informative there. And then, um, you know, the, uh, the food's very important as well. I mean, you want them to come and eat there you, instead of stopping on their way, but you got to make the food affordable and, and, uh, and it's also got to be good. And then, and then I, you know, I worried about uh, making sure I was always at the front gate at gas city on when people were leaving and I thanked them for coming and shook hands and, and, um, and I just tried to be the face of the speedway. And I think a lot of promoters hide today. They, they get, up in the tower and they hide from people you know whether it's competitors they don't want somebody griping at them or a fan and i tried to walk through the pits each night i, I walked around this i picked up trash uh, uh behind the grandstands during the night and then uh, and then uh, said thank you for coming when we left so i just think it's that that hospitality and, and genuinely caring about your customers so those are five things that come to mind uh off the top of my head that i think you got to do uh um, to try to stand out, uh, among other forms of, you know, families have a lot of different ways to go be entertained nowadays. And so we, we have to work hard at it. Well, that's outstanding. I, I want to share a quick story with you. you. When you use the word, you picked up trash <laughs> behind, behind the grandstands. Yeah. So I went to the Indy 500, this Indianapolis 500, the first time this year to see it live. I yeah. went by myself. Right. I'm downtown Indianapolis. I'm walking across from one side of the little rotunda town there, and I run into Greg Penske. And he hollers, hey, Mike, what are you doing? And we were standing there and talking, and he's now basically running the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You know, that's right. his everyday kind of job. And his son was there, and I, his son had has grown up, of course. And he said something, and I, I, says, I says, hey, listen to your father. He's very influential. And he, he'll make an impact on you. I says, and I looked at Greg. I says, Greg, let me let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you a story that sounds so weird and stupid, but I want to tell you how much an impact you made. Out of California Speedway, when they built that place, he came and asked me to do an appearance for him. He said, I'll come get you tomorrow right. morning. So he himself comes on a golf cart, picks me up out of the garage area, takes me up, and we walk in this gate that's semi-closed. It hasn't opened yet, but as we get about 50 feet in, there's some trash laying on the left side of, a, of our path walking in. 
And Greg reaches down with both hands and picks this trash up, walks forward and drops it in a, a trash can. I wasn't smart enough to give my hand and pick it up. I just says, don't, don't you have someone else to do that for you? And he says, Mike, he says, he says, when you own the racetrack or you're promoted or anything you do, he says, it's always your responsibility. Pick the trash up. Yeah. He says, you will not be, you'll be surprised how much of an impact that has on somebody. And I told him, I says, now the problem you've made after all these years of showing me how to pick up trash is if I walk anywhere on any piece of property we own, I will not walk by a piece of paper. I, I walk 20 feet out of the way to go pick that piece of paper up. And I says, it's all your fault, Greg Penske. He says, congratulations to Penske-nized. <laughs> so, so, Jerry, thanks for sharing everything you've shared with us. Thanks for sharing the fun stories about how to be a great race promoter, having a running a racetrack and running a great racetrack. And uh, you guys keep doing the great things you do because uh, – whether you realize it or not, just the people sitting in the fans, but you inspire a lot of people. You inspire a lot of cool events. Right. I look and, forward uh, to seeing that SRX show out yeah. there in a couple of weeks, too. Yeah. No, well, I appreciate that. And uh, always glad to be on with you. And uh, maybe uh, maybe we can uh, get up there and, and uh, tie the Herminator for most appearances here uh, maybe next year. There, there you go. go. There you go. All right. S- sounds <laughs> right. I'm a competitive guy, too. <laughs> Grab me a two-dollar beer. <laughs> <laughs> He's the general manager at Eldora Speedway. Jerry Gappins joining us. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media.